Welcome to Mary Liar Talks, a podcast that discusses mental health and spiritual well-being. Before we jump in, there may be episodes that are particularly sensitive for some listeners. And if that applies, then I hope you'll be able to join me whenever you feel ready and able. In today's episode, I'm with guest Richard Asomening, and we're talking about autism. Richard shares with me his experience of having his brother, Daniel, diagnosed with autism and how he grew to accept the challenges as well as the joys that comes with it. Let's listen in. Okay, Junior, so I know that a lot of people would have heard of autism. They've got a general understanding in terms of what autism is, but I know it's a spectrum. So can you tell me what are the, you know, some of the signs, the traits when it comes to autism? I think it it will vary from each person's experience because what I've learned with autism is you've got the the really mild form and you've got the severe. Uh, from my experience, especially with Daniel, uh, signs and traits that we kind of picked up quite early on was a delay in milestones as a, as a, as an infant, e.g., uh, him taking his time to stand up to crawl, to walk, uh, to speak, and so forth. But also, even as he got a bit older, just in terms of how he would engage with his eye contact um, and just a lack of focus or a lack of concentration when doing something. So given that Daniel's one was quite mild, it was still, if I could say, foreign to us as a family because Mm -hmm. he was the first uh, among myself and my siblings uh, to be diagnosed with it. And so how then did the diagnosis come? Because you mentioned about how you started yeah. noticing that delay with certain things that yeah. you'd expect during yeah. his development. So yeah. how did that lead then for for something it, to actually happen? It was the older he got, the more uh, worried we became with his development. So for instance, I think with Daniel, he only started to walk probably at three. Um, And even his speech, we was quite concerned at the delay. We thought, okay, like he's not even saying the quote unquote basics. And it was through, there's this place in Kennington, I believe it's called Mary Sheridan, uh, where there's occupational therapists and so forth. And it was through that appointment where he was diagnosed. But in the lead up to that, you know, we'd gone to various appointments. Um, you know, we would hear the the usual, oh, you know, some people, some kids take longer than others and so forth. But again, I think signs began to rear its head when he started nursery, because even when he started nursery, we still, he still wasn't making the progress that we'd hoped so even when it came to his interaction with other kids we found that to being it wasn't bad or anything we just found him to he was very isolated it's like he didn't want to engage with the other kids at all and it was something that the nursery staff picked up quite early on to be fair to them and you know naturally we're still hoping now you know he'll come around you know he'll get better and better but, you know, the older he got, literally as he was about to turn four was when I believe the diagnosis came about, roughly. And would you say that was more of a relief or not? 
Was it, was it like a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because in one bec- sense, it's like, okay, you now know there's that confirmation rather than wondering yeah. at the back of your mind and hoping you know, yeah. for something else. And therefore you can move on. But then, yeah. But it, Exactly. But it's also that refusal to accept mm. that he's got it because, again, he was the first and it was like, how? Like, And at that time, we didn't know much. Mm. about autism uh, myself included we were all fairly ignorant of it and you know when he, he was diagnosed we then immediately had fears of how's he gonna grow up sure. is he ever gonna speak mm. um what about schooling you know all these questions began to to, to to rear its head um so it was a relief to know okay that there's an underlying reason why things have been this way mm. but it was more like <clears throat> yeah we it wasn't what we wanted to hear, basically. Of course. I'm going to turn it a little bit more about than you, you know, sure. as in, in terms of like, as a family, you've got that news and you're already talking about like being ignorant when it came to oh, yeah. autism. So how then did you feel as an individual, as a, I guess, a young teenager? Yeah. And how did you grow in terms of that acceptance if you have accepted it and how was the family dynamics as a whole when it came to that transition so for me um i must have been probably 15 or maybe 15 going 16 at the time and it was heartbreaking i'll be very honest at the time for me personally it was like wow um it was heartbreaking for me but i also felt heartbreak for my mum uh and in a weird way i also felt heartbreak or sympathy for daniel Mm. as well because it's like you know he's the last born and you know this has happened so i'll be very honest at the initial stage you know there was this hope that oh we hope it's not going to be really severe we hope he's going to be able to speak and so forth so i suppose with daniel the older he got the more we realized how mild his autism okay. was and is. So that was, we found that to be comfort. And that was a form of comfort for us because again, in my ignorance, whenever I thought of autism at the time, it was always the severe, always the making noise, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And initially I thought, wow, this is new for us. But to our relief, uh, his, as he got an older and as he began to speak, as he began to engage, as delayed as it was, it did fill us with hope that, you know what, he is going to speak. He is going to end up speaking. He is going to be able to engage, interact, learn, and so forth. And with Daniel, he's just gone from strength to strength. Because if you speak to him now, although you can pick it up as you're speaking to him, generally, he's a very sociable person. He's easy mm-hmm. to understand. He's He's got great uh, energy. He's very enthusiastic. And he himself has embraced it as well as part of who he is, but he doesn't let it uh, phase him or he doesn't look at it in distaste or, you know, he's never anxious or anything about it. That's that's good to hear. So like, um, were there any specific challenges that you faced growing up that you can attribute to having like a sibling with autism it could be linked to the misconceptions that people have the stereotypes what are the typical kind of things that you've 
encountered mm. that you know is down to um, your brother with autism? One of the early th- um, things was uh, telling my friends, but also introducing Daniel to my friends. So, for example, maybe if I'm picking him up from nursery or me and, me and him are walking to McDonald's or something and I, I see my friend or, or my friends or whatever, um, at the time, at the early phase, it was how are they going to react to him? How, how are they going to take to him? Um, how are people in public going to take to him? Are they going to look at him funny? You know, I had all these feelings and all these fears and concerns, but thankfully it was the complete opposite. And, you know, my friends uh, were very understanding. They acknowledged him. They embraced him for who he, who he is. Uh, so that was a big relief. But I would say generally uh, when I'm walking with Daniel or when I was walking with him, maybe to school or from nursery or whatever, it was just things like, okay, um, you know, this is just normal to me. I'm walking, but how are people going to interact? Like, are people going to stare at him? Are people going to... I just felt very uneasy uh, mm. being with him in public. And even, I tell you what, even bringing him to church as well, you know, how people will engage with him, how people will see him. No matter where we went, whatever public setting it was, I've always had that underlying concern or worry that, I hope people don't treat him different or treat him in a weird way uh, and so forth. Mm. Would you say, like you mentioned about when you would meet your friends, let's just say walking down the street, did they know that Daniel had um, autism beforehand? Okay. And so I guess um, how they reacted, given that they knew, was a pleasant surprise for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because more importantly, they didn't treat him different. Right. Okay. And then over time, I'm hearing from you that it changed in terms of you being concerned about what others were thinking. Yeah. Is it just because, I don't know, what changed for you? Yeah. Um, I think at the back of or the root of my initial concerns, it all honestly stems back to my ignorance growing up when it came to you know attitudes towards autism because I I can recall in my ignorance when I was in primary school and we had a section for uh, children with autism and even as a child I thought okay this is a bit weird you know this is strange they need help you know all these ignorant um, claims so to have experienced it myself was definitely humbling for one but in terms of overcoming it through time it was Daniel's strength of character to be himself and to freely be himself but for me also gradually allowing him to be himself because you know in the early phase if he's doing something which someone might consider abnormal I would be like Daniel stop doing that or Mm. do you know what I mean and I had to sort of overcome that and allow him to be himself allow him to be free and that helped I mean that makes sense because I can imagine in the earlier phases or time it was probably trying to restrain him and then after a while you realize that you know what let him be Um, yeah and is that you giving yourself a self-talk at a certain point in time definitely but it wasn't even just me you know for instance, I wasn't the only one who would tell him, Daniel, stop, stop doing this. You know, my mum would do the same. Mm-hmm. I would say looking back, it was probably 
Uh, it could have been my sister Frida who was like, no, just, you know, just let him, let him do what he's doing. It's fine. It's fine. You don't need to try to police him or anything like that. So, you know, the more she done that, the more I began to understand and, and also adopt the same approach. Um, and I would imagine that would have been liberating for both you and Daniel. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, so like, I'm just wondering about how there might be scenarios where or situations where people have got children one of which has autism and the other child doesn't and then because the parents focus is on the child with autism because of their uh, their needs Mm -hmm. the other child may feel perhaps overlooked or be trying to seek attention and I'm just wondering if that's something that resonates with you um, at the time, no, I think for me, I might have felt that way if I was younger, if he'd yeah. been born a couple of years before. I think when Daniel was born, I was 13. I, at that point, was like, I'm no longer going to be a mommy's boy. I'm a teenager now. I'm going to try and do my thing. Uh, so when Daniel came, for me, it was, I adopted the, the mindset of, okay, how can I help my mom? How mm. can I be more hands-on and uh, supporting her to look after him? So my mom would say I'm, I was quite good in that regard, to be fair. I, I wasn't necessarily in need of, I didn't feel jealous or like my space sure. had been taken. No. Sure, sure, sure. So how old is Daniel now, if I can ask? Daniel's 18. He just turned 18. 18. So he's an older teenager. Yeah, he's a a big man. (laughs) (laughs) He is. So how would you say that your relationship with him has evolved over the years? Do you know what? Um, I think, I don't know if it's just that little brother thing or that big brother thing where you're always protected, but I think with Daniel, I am always going to be overprotective um around him I'm always it's just in my nature because I'm because of how much I love him and because I know of his autism you know there's that sense of you know trying to ensure that nobody harms him or no one takes advantage of him and I would say as a child when he was a yeah when he was a child at times at times I would honestly cry I would honestly cry because he was a sweet child and I just honestly I just wrestle with God like why like he's such a sweet boy like why you know the rest of us didn't didn't get autism why him uh so there was there was a lot of uh you know it doesn't feel fair this isn't right he doesn't deserve this and you know as a result I um I grew in compassion towards him more and more and and in turn, I became more protective over him when he was younger, to be very honest. But as he's gotten older, you know, he's entered that teenage stage. He's been in this teenage stage for a while now where um, gladly he doesn't really want me, you know, interfering with what he's doing and so forth, which is fine. I think where we're at right now or how our relationship has evolved is he's come to respect me more. But that hasn't been easy either because we've still clashed. We've still clashed as brothers. You know, I'll tell him to do things. He doesn't want to do it. You know, we go back and forth. You know, the usual sibling Sibling kind of dynamics. Exactly. And I've been deliberate in that because in as much as he has autism, I don't, I no longer interact with him as though he has it. For me, I just see him as my brother. I'm aware of it, but 
I don't let it get in the way of how I interact with him or how I treat him. So, yeah. It's all learning. It's learning for me. It's interesting, you know. Um, yeah. And would you say, though, would you say that that's because he has mild autism? Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Absolutely. I think if his was more severe or if his was severe, yeah, then I, things probably would have naturally been different, I reckon. Yeah. Like earlier, you mentioned about, about Daniel's personality. You kind of mm-hmm. highlighted it a little bit. So what would you what would you say are the specific strengths or unique qualities in Daniel that you admire or really appreciate? How bold and expressive that he is. Uh, he's very bold. He's very bubbly, very outgoing. Um, he's the opposite to me in that it's not that I'm withdrawn I'm just very mellow, but he's just full of life, um, very charismatic, you know, an entertainer, essentially, mm-hmm. um, very sociable, likes to interact with people. Um, that's something that I personally admire in him that there's times I'm thinking this guy seems a bit more popular than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's all good. Um, you know, I, I love him the same way. Mm. You know what, that's even a contrast to how you described him when he was a child. You said when he was in nursery, he wasn't very sociable with the other children. So I guess as he grew older, his personality and his ways changed. Yeah, a great deal. Before you mentioned about how you'd even cry at times and you'd be like, why, Lord, because he's such a sweet boy. Mm Mm-hmm. Was that in the early, early days or was that for a long while? When did that, when did that stop and how did, how did you come to that place of, you know, stopping and questioning the why? Yeah. Um, you know what? It, it's lasted most of his life. Um, I would say it, it probably stopped um, probably when he got to secondary school. Because so when he was about 11, 12. Yeah. So I would say when he when he officially started secondary school. And the reason for that is was because I found it a relief. Um and I was pleased to know that, you know, there were schools or secondary schools which catered specifically to children with autism. Because again, in my ignorance, I didn't know. I just thought, you know, all schools just had a section. I never knew at the time that they were designated schools for children with autism. So, you know, to see him start, to see him learn, to see him enjoy himself at the school was a big weight off my shoulders because it was like, okay, this was something that I was quite fearful about because having been in secondary school, you know the jokes, you know what's said, you know what goes on. And I was very worried about him potentially going into that. So once I saw that he'd settled into secondary school, it was like, okay, you know, this is what it is. How can we support him? How can we help him make the most of his education? Mm. And you've mentioned how like he's now 18. So he's, I don't know if he's still in the education system. He is, yeah. Yeah. So then what are your fears as a as big brother in terms of that next phase into adulthood? And then how are you dealing with it or how have you dealt with it? Do you know what? As of recent, he has begun going to school by himself only just as he's turned 18. And prior to that, that was a major fear for me uh, mm. because I thought, you know, like, 
I thought what could happen to him? Like, you know, um, are people going to look at him? Is anybody going to try and approach him and harm him? You know, all these natural concerns and all these fears I had. So it's been a relief to see how he's seamlessly, you know, taking it on. And he's, you know, he's going to school by himself. That's going well. He now needs to come home by himself. That's the next thing. And to be fair, I'm not, I'm not as worried as I was prior to him going to school by himself. But going forward, you know, he's going to be starting college and the college that we're hoping he goes to, there is a section for students with autism. Again, I think on this occasion, I'm not as fearful as I was prior to him walking to school, but there is that sense of, okay, he's going to be among, you know, more students who don't have autism. Mm. how are they going to react to him how is he going to react to them because you know Daniel's a gentle giant and he's not street smart either so where he isn't a street smart like myself or my siblings there is low-key that fear of you know what's he going to do if someone actually tries it with him um you know I hope not but Mm. naturally these are the things which go through my mind going forward So how do you tend to, or how have you up to now prepared Daniel when it comes to like those key milestones, those key phases, like you talked about going to school by himself, leading up to it, how did you prepare him for for this kind of time? Yeah. Do you know what? Credit to my mum. My mum is actually, um, she's been remarkable in how she has because she's done most of them she's done the most preparation with him i would say because she's always taken him to school so the way she done it was she did it over she did it gradually i should say whereby you know they go to the bus up together but then she'd allow him to get on the bus and then he'd go and then he'd call to say he's arrived so i think we're probably going to take a similar approach of him coming back now do you know what school his school had been second to none in that regard because okay. in as much as we would speak to him and give him insight on things you to expect school already do that every day with him so whenever we are you know talking about a milestone that's coming up he would shed light and say yeah him and school have already been working on it uh, so he's he's already aware he's ready he's getting ready so we wouldn't have been able to do so without the help of school because school have also given us tips on how we prepare him uh, as well. So you know, they it's engage even, with you quite well then? Very much, mm-hmm. very much, you know, particularly, you know, over his, his educational healthcare plan. Uh, that That's very thorough, uh, very comprehensive. That looks at milestones in detail. I'll give you an example, even things like, promoting independence mm. for him as well school have had a hand in that but we've also been very proactive uh in making and ensuring that he is to become independent because daniel is he's a bit of a mommy's boy he's still a bit mm. of a mommy's boy and uh you know even me and my mom have had to wrestle with each other to you know i'm like mom you gotta let him you know be a be a young man and for her that's still her baby and in as much as she wants to let him be a young man she still she still sees him as you know her little baby 
who was diagnosed with autism, you know, even till mm. today, she's coming around slowly, but mm. it's ongoing. And I think mm. it always will be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely, as a, especially as a mother, I would imagine. I don't know if there's anything that you could add or share in terms of being able to to kind of let go, not let go of responsibility towards your brother, but let go of those fears, those maybe concerns that especially that you had before. I think it was maybe it was a bit more evident and felt by you, but there would still be concerns, you know, I guess mm. in various ways because you're, you're his big brother. Um, what has helped you? And what has supported you, what's been of help to you, whatever it may look like, yeah, over the years? I think what's probably helped me that I maybe haven't given as much credit or focus on is how faithful God has been concerning Daniel. I say that because, you know, going back to the beginning, we genuinely thought the worst, but at the same time, particularly for my mum, there was this sense of uh, he's going to talk. He's going to be all right. It's not going to be as bad. It's not going to be as burdensome. So being able to see that year on year, seeing him evolve into a man, seeing him uh, wanting to take ownership over certain things, he's still getting there. But things like that fill me with hope going forward. S- whereas naturally when he's a baby you don't know what he's going to turn out to be you don't know how he's going to grow so naturally you have these concerns but when you see him grow when you've seen him grow up and become the person that he is it does fill me with hope um to an extent but more importantly whilst he's growing you know simultaneously he has myself and my siblings who are as hands-on to support him and to try and steer him in that right direction you have touched on this earlier, but how would you say that you have been shaped as a person by having, you know, Daniel as your brother, but Daniel who has autism? How has that shaped yeah. you as a And yeah, what have you noticed about yourself over the years? It's humbled me. Mm. It, it's definitely made me more humble. It's made me more compassionate, particularly towards mothers, uh, single mothers especially. Uh, whether they have, whether their kids have autism or not. I'm not a parent, but, you know, seeing what my mum does, it's a lot, you know. But, but yet there are still mothers who have children that don't have autism and it's still a lot. So it's definitely made me more understanding. And mind you, this is coming from someone who, you know, in my ignorance, I had some really, you know, unhelpful views and attitudes or outlook towards people with autism so um it's mellowed me but it's also i will say it's also made me grateful um and appreciative of my journey in that you know naturally there's definitely been occasions where i've been like wow lord um i'm grateful for daniel but i'm also grateful that i haven't experienced what he has um, not to talk down on what he's gone through. And, you know, I embrace and love him nonetheless, but it's just made me grateful for, you know, the developments and milestones that I've made. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that came out as nice as I yeah, hope. I get it. Like one of the things I, I wanted to ask is there are people who, you know, 
they have good intentions, but they just don't know how to act on them. For example, there's a lot of political correctness that goes on, mm-hmm. you know, that's around. And some people won't know, okay, what's, what do I do? What do I say? How do I approach? You know, I'm not, I don't know someone yeah. close to me with autism. So they might stay away from that person just because yeah. they don't know how to be around them. So what would, what have you found that could help or what would you say to someone like that in terms of how they could be with someone with autism? I would tell them be the same with someone with autism as you would with someone who doesn't have autism. Sure. Because I, I was I was once upon a time that same person where mm. I'm questioning how do I speak to them? Will they understand? Will mm. they engage? But you have to you have to make them feel um like a human being. You don't need to make them a special case. You don't need to make them feel like a special case. Because believe you me, some of them will spot it. They'll they'll mm. clock on and, and it's not helpful. And I mm. suppose you have to ask yourself, how would you feel if someone came at you in that light? Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. S- thinking yeah. about that. Yeah. And I mean, and that makes sense. And it kind of like chimes with what you said about how your friends, when you saw them and yeah. you were with Daniel and how, because they didn't treat him differently, that was yeah. a relief to you. And it was a pleasant surprise and that was helpful. So yeah, that yeah. does make sense actually. Yeah. Okay. So if there is someone who's listening and they're struggling because they've got a member in their family with autism what would you say to them? And there's probably a whole load of things you could say, but like based on some of the concerns that you had that you no longer have, perhaps, what would you say to them that may help? I would encourage them to engage with the support available. So whether that's through through school, social workers, whoever, whatever professionals are involved to aid uh, your child's development, I would encourage all parents to engage uh, because from experience, my mom and we naturally also had the apprehension of all oh, the social workers involved, you know, are they coming to like take him away? Are they coming to, you don't know, you know, mm. you've got that feeling of fear because you don't know what's going to happen, but we found them and professionals involved to be invaluable as in without them, Honestly, we would not have made it this far with Daniel and his development. So I'd say to everyone listening, engage. Um, they don't mean any harm at all. Engage in the support, learn about it. And through time, what we found is the support helped us over time to navigate and, you know, make the most of our predicament. But more importantly, the support helped us to make things better for Daniel and easier for Daniel, which in turn has aided his development so far. And, and I guess that applies even if that person has severe autism. It's about engaging absolutely. in the support yeah. that's that's available, that's around yeah. here. Um, Junior, with that, I just have to thank you that's for okay. sharing and... And um, just talking about your experience, and I'm sure it's going to help someone out there. (laughs) Thank you so much. Here's a spiritual wellness tip for you. It's Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, and it reads, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. 
He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Thank you for listening. Do follow and join me again next time on Mary Lyre Talks Beyond the Smile.